This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. And welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name's Anna Hawkin. I'm the Parenting for Faith ministry lead and your host here today. Uh, This is episode five of season five. And uh, if I sound a little weary, it's because I've just got back from the Hand in Hand conference in Eastbourne. Uh, If I saw you there, I am so glad that we got to do that. It is so, so nice to get out and about and see you guys in person. And I had so many amazing and interesting and exciting stories about what you guys have been doing with Parenting for Faith, Um, which is such an encouragement to us because we create things in response to what you ask us for. And then we love to co-create with you. We love to hear how you've taken the resources and uh, used them in different and creative ways, how you've changed them, how you've adapted them for your context. Um, I even met a lovely lady who had used the Parenting for Faith resources to make her own Grandparenting for Faith course, which is super exciting because we've got a book coming out on that in January and we've been piloting some Grandparenting for Faith courses too. So we're hoping to learn from her. But anyway, enough of that. Uh, this is uh, our last episode for two weeks. We're going to have a little break over half term. Uh, there may be regional variations, but that's half term for our team. Uh, but we'll be back for episode six uh, on the 21st of Feb. And we're getting Ray Morfin from TLG back. You might remember her from episode one. And she's going to be talking to us about emotional health. But I'm going to hand over now to Lucy, who's going to introduce our topic and guest for today. Here at Parenting for Faith, we are all about community. You know that we will often give ideas for things you can do, for example, with your church friends or your toddler group or your wider church family. But what if your Christian community looks different? Maybe you're the only family in your church. Perhaps those around you have other priorities. Or maybe, like today's guest, God has called you to live and work in a very different culture. I'm Lucy Rycroft, part of the Parenting for Faith team, and it's my pleasure to welcome onto the show today a good friend of mine. She's a Cambridge theology graduate, former RE teacher, wife and a mum, and together with her family for the last few years has been serving the church in Ethiopia. Susie Wilson, it's so great to have you on the Parenting for Faith podcast. Thank you for coming. Thanks, Lucy. It's lovely to be here. So I know you very well, Susie, but for the benefit of those who are listening who don't know you, can you start by just sharing a little bit about who you are, what you enjoy, what your everyday life looks like? Great. Yes, I'm Susie, married to Chris. We have three three children who are nine, seven and five, and we live in Addis Ababa, which is the capital of Ethiopia. I enjoy reading. Um, running, large open spaces, and watching documentaries about mountain climbs. Um, day to day, I'm currently homeschooling my kids and trying to learn Amharic, while also beginning now to look for some local ministry opportunities. I don't think I ever knew that one of your interests, which I have to say is pretty niche, is watching documentaries about mountain climbers. Did you say that? Um, yeah, it's quite a recent probably for the last 12 months, but we've been working our way through Netflix and Disney. I think we've actually covered all of them now. So I'm waiting for the the next release. That is so cool. I honestly didn't know that those even existed. I'm going to have to go to Netflix now and look them up. They sound interesting. I was going to say amazing, but 
I will withhold judgment until I've watched one. Change your life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm holding you to that. Um, um, Harak, you were saying you were learning. Just to clarify, that is the national language of Ethiopia, right? Yeah. So in Addis, where we live, that is the language that most people around us are speaking. Okay, cool. And can you share with us a bit more about your call to Ethiopia? Like, what did that look like? When did that kind of happen for you? So after my husband and I got married, we moved to Zambia um, as teachers. So we were just working in a school in a small village about 40 kilometers from Lusaka, which is the capital. Um, While there, we ended up engaging with the local church. And the church there was kind of a family of about four churches. And one of those churches was in a very rural, even more rural than the village we lived in, um, which meant it was completely inaccessible for six months of the year due to the rains. And it meant that there was no one who could go to that church who was um, able to preach. The only person who um, would speak at that church was the one person in that village who could read. And then he very suddenly, unexpectedly died. And the church just didn't have a church leader anymore. And it became very apparent to us um, that this is not an isolated situation, that this is repeated all over rural Africa. And it it burdened us that this was the case, um, that uh, people would go to the cities to train and it was there that they could get better education for their children, that their standard of living would, um, would increase. And so it'd be very difficult for them to return to the village that they um, that they came from. Um, so we prayed about this. We had no intention of staying in Africa when we first went. But after prayer and discernment, um, I actually had a sense that Ethiopia was going to be significant. And Chris, my husband, who always likes to go, you know, full on, where is it going to be really tough, was convinced we should go to South Sudan, which had just started um, a civil war. Um, We came back to the UK and spoke to a mission organization and um, the guy that we spoke to had just come back from this place called Gambella, which was in Ethiopia, but was working. um, There was a theological education center that was working with South Sudanese refugees. So it just it all fitted. um, Yeah. In a way that made us um, want to want to pursue this further. It's perfect, isn't it? I love that God called you to Ethiopia and Chris to South Sudan and you end up working with South Sudanese refugees in Ethiopia. Just, yeah, God's sense of humour, especially with our marriages, is brilliant. <laughs> um, so when you arrived in Ethiopia, you said you were living in Gambella, which is not Addis, where you live now, so we'll come on to that later. But when you arrived in Gambella, rural Ethiopia, can you just share a bit about what Christian community looked like and was it what you were expecting? Um, so there was uh, two older couples living on site. One of those couples had to leave quite soon after we arrived. And the remaining couple, um, the husband in that relationship was actually the Bishop of Ethiopia and the Horn of Africa. And so wasn't actually um, in Ethiopia, in Gambella that often. I'm not sure what my expectations were, probably something akin to Zambia. Um, so in Zambia, we were involved in helping with the Sunday school and with the youth, and we ended up helping with some of the Bible studies. And because the national language of Zambia is English, although the church was in the local language, it was very easy to engage, to sit next to someone who could help us. Um, so there were two key differences that 
um, that we walked into, number one was that language barrier was massive. The national language is not English. People do not speak English um, unless they've reached a very high level of education. And second, we now had two young children. So it was not comparable to my experiences in Zambia. And that became obvious very, very quickly. And how has your experience of Christian community changed now that you're in an urban setting? So it would be very different now. I live in a city that has multiple churches with English speaking services. Um, There are many, many people here, um, both locally and from overseas, who are who are Christians, who are following Jesus wholeheartedly, who um, are also able to speak English. Um, The kids are able to attend Sunday school. Um, I mean, having said that, it's still not the same as being in the UK. There are still challenges um, that that come from living in in an African city, living cross-culturally. But it's, yeah, it's kind of incomparable to my experience in Gambella. So you've been in two quite different church communities in Africa, as well as the, the church community you were involved with in the UK with your children before you went. What do you think the impact has been uh, on your children's faith journey of sort of having maybe a little church community around you or different church community to what you might have had had you stayed in the UK? So... I think the the major challenge, certainly in Gambella, was that church was generally quite a stressful experience for them. Um, It wasn't in a language they could understand. It was often very loud. And the other children um, were fascinated by their hair and by their skin colour. And they would always come in very large groups. It's just how things function here. So it could be quite intimidating. It could be difficult. They didn't look forward to going Um, and then also they were isolated from any kind of fun exciting Sunday school or from other kids their age who could who they could engage with um, together as they kind of looked at the bible um, or sang songs Um, none of that was really um, available on the upside I think as I was thinking about this there are a lot of positives that that have come out of it I think their understanding of what it means to be a Christian isn't tied to a building or to a very particular set of people. Um, and although I do think these things matter and like, and it's great to have that, it wasn't, it wasn't a reality for us that we could, that we could create. And so our everyday rhythms, um, engaging, uh, Jesus, um, bringing Jesus into our everyday was, was very normal. And and for them, that's that's what it looked like to be a follower of Jesus. It was to open our Bible at breakfast time and it was to pray and um, and to talk about scripture and to have these moments during the day when they would hear me be like, oh, thank you, Jesus, for, for that beautiful bird. Um, as I was also on this journey with them, of learning what it looked like to engage um, in my relationship with God um, in a very different way. And I think also like the the outworking of, of our faith was, was, was quiet and it was simple. I'm not somebody that can throw crafts together or have much desire to do so. 
Um, I'm not going to be like jumping around creating like, you know, bubble prayers or whatever. These are all great. It's just not in my nature or character to do a good job. Um, and so it, it was just it was just quiet and and the kids engage with that. Um, I think also, again, because their faith wasn't tied to to a building, um, the concept of the body of Christ being being universal, being worldwide, but also stretching back in history is something that we have talked about and engaged with, um, that their brothers and sisters um, are in are in China and are in Mexico and are in England and, and Russia and Ukraine and Italy. And, you know, the beauty of what it looks like to be the body of Christ is something that is a reality that we talk about. Um, and then finally, um, their experience of Christian community has been so varied. So they have engaged with God um, amongst people speaking their own language, um, with people that look just like them. And then they have been in worshipping communities where we have been in a healing service and it's loud and someone's shouting on the microphone. Um, and there are children who are experiencing God and 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 weeping um these very poor people and they have seen that and then they've sat in our home with refugees that lived on the site with us in Gambella who would come once a week on Fridays and we would eat together and they would and then we would pray and they would sing with these incredible harmonies and the kids would just sit in that and all of these things were just normal are just normal to them um, and they understand that following Jesus can look like all of these things, that they're all valid expressions um, of worship. That is such a rich experience there, what you describe for your children. I mean, I'm I'm envious really listening to you because I think, uh, well, one of the Parenting for Faith tools we talk about on the course is uh, creating windows into our faith and what that looks like. And Firstly, you were talking about your own faith sort of through the day and 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 your your kids sort of hearing you you pray and praise God and sort of seeing you do life in a quiet way. I was so pleased that you mentioned that, you know, you're not a bubble prayer crafty person because <laughs> I, I do, you know, I love all that, but it's not my natural temperament. You know, I, I can't sort of whiz amazing creative things up out of nothing. You know, I'm I'm much more of a sort of let's sit and have a chat kind of girl um so so that gave me a lot of reassurance and um, but yeah your kids not only had a window into your faith life as you were quietly going about your everyday life with Jesus but they had a window into so many other people's faith life and I think that is so precious and so rich to see how people worship from around the world how people worship when they have um been in in a, in a war situation when they are coming out of a very traumatic situation how people are worshiping when they've lost family members when they've lost close friends and that's what you're describing this amazing kind of series of windows that your children have had onto different people's faith life and i just think that is yeah such an interesting observation so yeah thank you for sharing that and i was also going to ask about you personally susie what has been the impact of your very sort of different experience of church community on you personally in your faith journey? Yeah, so I think it's difficult to know the impact of church community on your faith until that's kind of taken away from you. Um, and for many of us, that never has to be the case. Um, and that's wonderful. 
so when I first moved out to Gambella, um, as well as moving away from um, the church community in the UK that um, that I had been a part of, uh, we also were walking into a state of emergency in the country at that time, which meant that there was no phone signal, there was no um, internet connection. So yeah, it was very much a baptism of fire. Um, and yeah, and we just had to kind of work it out quickly. Like, what does this mean? And I had a decision to make. Am I just going to drift or am I going to learn what it looks like to follow God in this very different context? Um, so, yeah, there was this need for intentionality in my faith. I also had two very young children. Um, my son at that point was about 10 months old um, and my daughter was only two. So, yeah, there was a lot. There was a lot to figure out. Um, and I wasn't able to just look forward to the next prayer meeting or the next church group or the mum's fellowship to sustain me over that week. Every day looked the same. And for weeks at a time, it was just me and my kids and my husband and some interactions with the students, which were great, um, but were again, also countercultural. Um, and for the most part, they were all guys. <laughs> so there wasn't any mum's group. Um, I think I, I think I would call this time a kind of season of, of seclusion. And I think there is a gift in that um, if we kind of choose to, to see it in that way, which doesn't mean it's not difficult. It was difficult. So a few things that were intention, were, were part of my intentionality was um, praying each day and needing to pray each day. Often that was at night because I was soothing my child to sleep. Um, but yeah, it, it was something that I, that I needed to come to. And it wasn't just, it was almost like a yearning. Um, and then that would, that would take me through the day of like, how am I going to, how am I going to experience God today? Like, what are those, um, what are those epiphanies that he is revealing to me this day? And rather than choosing to sit in my self-pity, which was often where I ended up, um, choosing to to look around me and to you know and to look at that bird <laughs> and to, and to rather than to be like that's a cool bird to be like wow god made that bird and he's made that bird to sit outside my kitchen window while i wash up these dishes and i can choose to just give him praise for that um and god was always so much closer um so much closer than i than i thought he would be when i stopped when i put on the worship music when i knelt down <laughs> because because I was exhausted. Um, he was always closer than, yeah, than I thought he would be. Um, so I think just learning, learning that Jesus walked um, in my mundane life. So I was in Gambella and yeah, that's cool. That's exciting. But actually my day-to-day -day life was very mundane, very quiet and learning that Jesus was there, that he dwells there, um, that there was, that his glory um, was in that, was in that home. I think it also gave me a new love for his word um, that I would have a verse to carry me um, through that day. And not every day, um, but, you know, there'd be times when when his word would just jump out at me and um, that would sustain me. Um, I think learning, as I've mentioned, kind of learning to delight in the quiet and the hiddenness that, that God delights in that as well. You don't have to be kind of out there doing it all, <laughs> that you can be in your home and it can be quiet and God is there. Um, that the ground that you walk on is holy. Um, and I think finally, uh, one thing that I've learned and living in Zambia as well was 
um, that you don't need that many friends. I think a lot of us have, um, we're spoiled for friendships and that's wonderful. Um, but I found living overseas that just a couple of friends who are cheering you on, those people who you can um, voice note um, or pray with over the phone, that I just have two or three friends um, who I know that I can turn to. And and that's that's been enough. And that was enough when I was in Gambella. Um, yeah, uh, it sounds very idealistic. And, you know, honestly, like a lot of the time I was um, in tears. A lot of the time I was asking questions. Um, but without a doubt, um, it was a time of transformation um, in my faith and in my journey with God. That's so amazing really it's such an amazing testimony and I love the phrase you used um about the gift of seclusion you know so often we sort of crave noise and prominence maybe and meaning and activity and we are spoilt for those in our culture as we're spoilt for friendships as, as you've just mentioned we're spoilt for connection but actually there's a real gift in the quiet in the hidden just being able to be with God and knowing that he sees even if nobody else does and yeah it sounds like God has brought you on an amazing journey there and something really for us to grasp hold of as well what would you say to someone perhaps in the UK in a very different setting to you who doesn't have much of a church community around them as they parent for faith yeah um it's hard. And I think it's okay to call that out and say this is difficult. Um, for whatever reason, um, that is your scenario. That is difficult. Like we are, you know, we are part of the body of Christ and we are, as the body of Christ, kind of made to fellowship together. Um, and and I trust that that for you, it is, it is a season, that it might be a season that lasts years, but it is a season that God will bring you through that. Um, but to also trust that in this time that he can shape you, that he is shaping you and your children um, and to kind of, um, yeah, allow that, allow that to happen. I think also I would say that, that you need to be intentional, that don't just drift through this time and hope that at the end of it, you'll be okay. Um, you need to sit and think, okay, how can I meet God in the situation that I'm in? What's, circumstances um, are in my life um, that will allow me um, to do that. So, for example, one thing for me, journaling, I mean, always since I was about, I don't know, 14 has been a significant part of my prayer life, um, of my journey with God. And sometimes I just need um, an hour where I know that my husband has the kids where I can just sit and write or when I can go on a walk when I can just walk around the compound that I live on multiple times um, listening to music um, and praising God um, if you're not in a good place with the Lord it's very hard to disciple your children um, so have a think about what is it that you need to help you um, on the, on this journey that you're on um, I would say um, expect God to meet you in your everyday, that it, you don't have to have that amazing prayer meeting or that Christian festival to be kind of living for, for your faith to be like spurred on. And it's wonderful that those things happen and they do happen. 
Um, but look for God in your everyday because he is there and he is closer than you think. Um, read scripture, have a verse to carry you through the day. I have something on my phone at the moment, um, my utmost for his highest. Um, so it messages me every day. It takes maybe a minute and a half to read. Um, and yeah, most of the time it's amazing. <laughs> and and I can carry that and I can think it through um, over my day. Um, pray, pray through the day. Um, pray, praise God for the things that you see that are wonderful. Pray when you're feeling down and your heart is is sinking or when you're afraid. Um, speak scripture um, over yourself or over over situation. Learn, learn some verses so you can do that. Um, and then just identify, or maybe you already have that friend or those two friends um, who you can start a WhatsApp prayer group with, or who you can phone, or I'm I'm a voice note pro. I have a friend um, who lives in Zimbabwe and we voice note all the time. So if you want any tips, um, I'm sure Lucy can pass on uh, my detail. Um, well, I can confirm you are a voice note pro. You, am, take, you take it to new levels, Susie. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't think I've spoken face to face with this friend for years, but over voice note, we are, yeah, we are tight. Um and, and pray together. You know, there's another friend that I will phone and we will always pray together at the end of that phone conversation. Um, and then in terms of your kids, um, I would say just little and often. You are not trying to replicate Sunday school for them. Or at least maybe maybe that gives you joy, in which case go for it. In my case, I am not or I was not trying to replicate Sunday school. Um, we read every day. We read a few verses together. We talk about them and we pray together. And when we pray together, um, I encourage everyone to pray out loud, but it's generally just me and my husband. But still, every single day, that's what happened. And then we join together in the Lord's Prayer. Um, look for resources. There are so many amazing resources um, on the internet at the moment. So my go-to would be Open Doors. They have um, wonderful stuff that helps you to feel united as the body of Christ and to pray for our brothers and sisters who are persecuted. Um, we use that three days a week and we love it um also god venture and hope-filled family um packed full of brilliant resources um loads of pdfs um if you live overseas um or if you can't be bothered to wait for the post um so yeah i've really enjoyed browsing stuff on those websites and um getting hold of things um i've also tried to be intentional with seasons um so particularly with advent and with Lent. Um, again, those websites have great stuff. Um, but yeah, just thinking about what, what it might look like for you as a family in that time, lighting an Advent candle, really simple things. Um, and then on a weekly basis, um, we are meant to, on a Sunday, have a special meal and say a kind of pre-dinner liturgy and um, kind of be more intentional about our conversation. I achieve that about one, about one in four times. So it's a bit of realistic <laughs> um, what it's really like. Um, and I think finally, and most importantly, um, just have high expectations of your kids that maybe they're not able to go to a really exciting Sunday school or any Sunday school at all. But that doesn't mean that they can't engage with God um, in a profound way. Um, Abigail, as a two-year-old, when we first got to Gambella, Chris and I were a mess. 
Um, so we had scorpions in the house. We had mosquitoes. It's terrible area for malaria. It was incredibly hot. I found out later this was the cold season, but for us, it felt incredibly hot. Yeah. Um, and Abigail just reminded us of the passage in Matthew that says, God clothes the lilies of the field, like how much more important you are. And there have been so many times since then when it has been our children that have been the ones spurring us on. And that's not come from a fantastic Sunday school. That's come from the very little um, and and often that we have done um, in our everyday. That's really helpful. Thank you, Susie. And I like that you're so honest about when it works and when it doesn't. And of course, just to kind of reiterate that you're a homeschooling family. So you have that daily time, which is such a gift. Um, but it's just so important, isn't it, that we journey alongside our children in this. However much or little time we've got, it might be just once a week. It might be five minutes on the way to school in the car or on the way to swimming or something like that. It might just be a really small fragment. Um, and we don't have to have all the answers, do we? We don't have to be sort of super Christians or anything like that. We can we can journey with our children as they learn more. And, and like you say, that lovely story at the end where you were able to um, – you know, be challenged by your daughter. That's just, that's what it's all about, isn't it? And not just us sharing our great expertise with our children, our great faith journeys, but actually them really encouraging and challenging us too with the word, which is wonderful. Um, I will slip you a fiver later for the Hopefield family reference. (laughs) You are very kind. Um, But no, thank you so much for everything you've shared. We are so grateful for your wisdom and for your heart's And we want to bless the work that you guys are doing in Ethiopia. And just thank you so much for sharing with us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Susie. And a question to ask your kid to spark an interesting conversation. Other than our family, which people do you feel most connected to? And then you might want to dig a little bit deeper and uh, find out how many of those are Christians and what it is that helps them feel connected. Uh, But it's really just exploring this idea of Christian community. So word it however works for your kid and your family, but something like, other than our family, which people do you feel most connected to? Have a great conversation. We'll be back in a fortnight with Ray Morfin talking about emotional health. Bye. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you.